I think there's my story is not unique. The timing of my story is unique, but I think that this is something that is replicable by other people. Um, you just need to do your research and find what works for you and what you're willing to go to bat for and, and fix. And so, and nurses, you know, we have a great schedule, work three days a week. The other four days you can work on your dream and make it happen. Hello, everyone. I'm Angela Rosa Donato, And I'm Marian Leary. And you're listening to Amplify Nursing, a pen nursing podcast supported by the Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Amplify Nursing features nurses who are leading the way in science, policy, and innovation. Our guests defy stereotypes, define practice, and disrupt convention. We highlight the breadth and depth of nursing influence on society by amplifying nurses who are pushing boundaries and breaking down barriers to build a new paradigm. Today on Amplify Nursing, we talk with Tafiki Gafar Shainer, co-founder of Frontier Innovation, Inc. During his experience as a bedside RN, Tofiki observed many opportunities for patient care improvement, which inspired him to launch a business focused on creating innovative healthcare products. With their Safe Seizure Pads product, Frontier Innovation, Inc. won the 2020 American Nurses Association Innovation Award as well as the 2019 and 2020 Nightingale Innovation Awards. Tofiki talks with us about how he became interested in nursing, the importance of drawing inspiration from bedside care, and how he navigated manufacturing and funding challenges in his journey to develop a new healthcare product. Tofiki, thank you so much for joining us on the Amplify Nursing podcast today. I am really excited to speak with you. I am very happy to be here. Thank you. So to get started, can you just give a little background on what you're doing in nursing and how you came to the profession of nursing? Yeah, I uh, originally went to college. I wanted to be a a therapist, a a psychologist to be exact. And (laughs) when I got to college, I I was taking the classes and I was in my sophomore year and I had this wonderful professor. The reason I laughed because I just I see his face. I see his outfits. He was that professor that they would make TVs, movies about. He was just a very peculiar um, professor that stood out. And we had an abnormal psychology class my sophomore year. And he said, hey, most of you want to go on and be, you know, get your get your master's and get your doctorate and all that and be therapist. Let me tell you what that road looks like. We're supposed to be talking about diagnoses and all this other stuff, but kind of want to tell you what the next uh, um, 15 years of your life looks like. And he laid it out for us. And by the by the halfway through the semester, I was like, oh, I think I want off this boat. <laughs> I think this isn't really for me um, because I did not want to just go through all that schooling and then start my career in my in my late 30s or early 40s after I got my and start my own practice and all this other stuff. He scared us straight. Um, and and what it did was really made me value it as, you know, as I think it was 19 at the time. Um, what I want to do, I wanted to help people. I wanted to wanted to figure out how to help them heal themselves and nursing happened to be the best fit to meet that model without me waiting 15 years to start my career. Um, and so that's kind of how I got my start in nursing. And the funny part is that my mother's a nurse when I went to college and told her I was going to be a psych major. She was, her head turned sideways a little bit, <laughs> um, but she didn't say anything. She was being supportive. And then when I came home and told her I'm changing my major, she it was a stat, she was ecstatic. So um yeah, that's, that's my that's my origin story to nursing and kind of what I do today in nursing is is I kind of wear different hats. Um, I still work uh, as a nurse informaticist for a hospital system. 
Um, and for those who don't know, that's a, the quick and dirty of it is a nurse and pharmacist is in charge of making sure that the, what you do inside of an EHR and also any software or hardware that nurses come in contact with is optimized for the work that we do, that it doesn't create more barriers or more work. Unfortunately, that happens all the time as the new software creates more workflows for nurses. And I would say theoretically in the best scenario, it's supposed to decrease the work and the barriers to make sure things are working appropriately for to benefit nurses. Um, and then outside of that, me and another nurse named Joey, we founded a company called Frontier Innovations Incorporated, and we have a patent on a product called Safe Seizure. And so I kind of wear the, the nurse informaticist slash techie hat, and I also wear, wear the uh, inventor slash problem solver slash troublemaker hat. <laughs> troublemaker we're gonna have to dig more into that in a few minutes but i guess i want to understand so psychiatry was not for you you wanted to get to work a little quicker and not being so much debt <laughs> and not being so much debt. what was it about nursing though that you were like you know what this is where i want to be i mean i know your mom was a nurse what did you see in the profession that really drew you to it i think it's it's the i, I see them as a similar model of like somebody comes to you with an immediate need, um, whether it be for um, their emotional state or whether it be their physical state. And, and nurses are taking care of both sometimes when we're working. And so that was kind of what drew me to it. In addition to that, like I mentioned, I just, I wanted to finish school. To me, I was already sophomore year and I'm starting over. So I had two years that were not wasted. I have a minor in psychology, but I have two years that I spent growing and learning, but now I have to restart. I think, um, um, younger me just didn't want to have to start from zero and wanted to find something that could get me done in a faster way. I went to a pretty great school um, here in California in the Central Valley called Fresno State, and they had a great nursing program, one of the uh, one of really big nursing programs in all of California. And so I happened to be at a good school for nursing. I wanted to finish school and be done with my like school aspect of my career, and, and it was this three, a three-year program. And so that's kind of what drew me to nursing is I get to help people. I get to finish school at the same, um, almost at the same time as when I started four or five years as opposed to four and, and then just start my career. So I think that's kind of what drew me to nursing was just that the idea that I'm helping people, but also not starting from scratch and having to go back and get my master's and all this other stuff, even though I did go back and get my master's, but that was years later. <laughs> and did you take your interest in psychology did you take that interest from psych and use that in your nursing program? Like, did you work on a psych floor or how did that play out? Well, I, 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 I'm just somebody who likes to know how things work, especially humans. Uh, and I say that and kind of, like I said, it in the, it wasn't a third person it makes me sound interesting, but I think people, people, the, what makes people tick is very interesting. And so I have not really applied it. I think in a formal setting, I thought I'd be a psych nurse because of that. And I also thought I'd be a peds nurse throughout nursing school, because I really loved my psych rotation. It was really nice. Most people, you know, most nursing students are apprehensive about their psych rotation. I was excited about my psych rotation to meet uh, our clinical instructor and to go there and, and get to meet these people who, who are doing their best with, um, with their chemical imbalances um, and, and all that other stuff. So I had, I had a great time, but I have not used it in a formal setting. And because I outside of nursing school, I went right into cardiology and, and cardiac step down. So that's just one of the first jobs I was offered. So I had not used it in a formal setting, but I just I've always been that person who likes to know how people tick. And so it's helped me at the bedside with patients who are aggravated and stuff like that. It's it's how you approach people and how you talk to them and how, how you 
how you move them through a strait of crisis. So I think it's benefited me on the on like the hand to hand day to day bedside work and knowing how like why a patient is truly frustrated. Sometimes we miss that when we're running around the hospital super busy. It's hard to figure out why somebody's been very upset or family members very upset at something that seems simple, but there's other um, psychosocial stuff going on with them. Yeah, it's so important. It's why I think having all these different experiences and knowledge, having our second degree students come back and have different lenses that can just complement the work that we're doing in nursing and at the bedside. And even though you didn't finish your degree in psychology, you know, you're using that those couple of years to really heighten the work that you're doing in nursing. I think that's just really great point and a great way to look at the work that we're doing, not just as nurses, but in all aspects of our education. Oh yeah. Knowing how people, knowing how people behave and tick and learning about that and continuing to learn about that in like podcasts and books and stuff like that is what I do almost on a weekly basis. It's a, it helps you out in every aspect, whether it be you know, whether you're starting a nursing business or whether you're starting a business unrelated to nursing, understanding consumer behaviors is, is important. Yeah. And it's a good segue into, you know, a lot of the work that I do at Penn Nursing is around human-centered design and, you know, Mm -hmm. understanding the needs of people from their point of view. And it's exactly what you're saying. Like these patients, something's going on and we need to understand them in a holistic way, not just what's going on clinically, but what other stressors, what other social determinants are affecting the, their care and recovery. And so you mentioned that you founded a company and created a product. So I'd like to learn more about how that played out because nurses are, in my opinion, consummate innovators, and you're a perfect example of that. You saw a problem, you created a solution Talk us through what that was like and how that came about. Yeah, it was it was a happy accident is the best way to put it and kind of putting two and two together. So uh, I grew up in the Bay Area of California and then I moved to the Central Valley for college. I worked at a community hospital. We had the ER held 200. The hospital was a total of like maybe 800 to 1,000 bed census. It was a big hospital, um, level one trauma. And, but it's a community hospital. They do what they can and they make do with what they have. And so when I worked on this, uh, I worked as a nurse extern in, um, in last semester of nursing school. And when I graduated, I got hired on this cardiac step-down floor. And so we had we didn't have any seizure pads. So the product that, I, that, that kind of like, that was the first little cue, like, why are we using blankets to pad the bed rails? And so, but, you know, it's a community hospital. You do what you need to do. You move on. There's 20 other patients waiting to get a bed. Um, and so when I moved back to the Bay Area um, to a, USA News top-rated hospital um, in the Bay and nationwide and California-wide, and I was like, "All right, this is this is what it feels like to have enough resources. This is what it feels like." And on one of my first few shifts at this hospital, I'm working on a cardiac neurology uh, floor now. So strokes and heart attacks are the patients I'm taking care of, and I ask it, "Hey, where are the seizure pads?" And I get the same answer that I got the community hospital. That was kind of a light bulb moment for me. I was like, "Wait a minute! If you have two different..." hospitals with two different resource levels with the same problem and the same makeshift solution that has to be there has to be some deeper thing going on so you know I reached out to my friends in nursing school I reached out to others to figure out are you also all having this issue that yeah we don't have any seizure pads they don't I've seen them once but I haven't seen them since since I started working or I haven't seen them in a year and that's kind of where I decided to do something about it 
and I had a, I would say a very beta, beta, even alpha, we'll go alpha prototype. And one of the nights at work, I ran into Joey. He worked at the same hospital as I. We started talking about, we started griping about hospitals being behind in technology, um, how it feels like you can go to Best Buy and get your house set up with sensors and you can, your coffee machine can talk to your bed and your lights and all these other stuff that you can automate. And yet, if I need to know what's going on in my patient's room, I have to physically walk in there for some units. Um, yet, you know, we all know what um, healthcare in this country costs. So it just feels like a very weird dichotomy that the consumer world felt 15 to 20 years ahead of hospital in, in, in our country. And so we were griping about that, but we kind of built a rapport. And at the end of work in the parking lot, I say, hey, can I grab you a cup of coffee? I have, I just think I want to show you. So I showed them my, what I thought was a very good uh, product and ready to go. But in retrospect, it's probably more of an Alfred prototype. And he said, you, you've hit on something that I've had issue with since I've started my career. I've been a nurse for, I think, I don't remember how long he's been a nurse for at this at the time that we originally met, but he'd been a nurse for a while. And so he said, I like your idea, but we can improve on it. And so that's kind of the origin is that every person I met had the same issue. And I met somebody that had the same issue and wanted to help fix it. And that's kind of, you know, that was all 2016. And, and yeah, it's just, it's just been, been an interesting journey since then. And talk a little bit about that journey. What did it look like? So you have a, what you're calling an alpha prototype. What was next? Because a lot of nurses have ideas, but they don't Mm -hmm. know how to take their idea and start creating it and implementing it and scaling it up. And so how did you go about doing that? Yeah, for, for us, it was, it was, and I know, and I have no issues talking about my original idea. It was, it was, I was trying to make a better, because currently what nurses do, and again, um, not to harp on it, is if you don't have seizure pads, which most hospitals don't. And so what nurses end up doing is taking tape and blankets and wrapping around the bed rail. And again, that's just not what we should be doing because that's not what the original intention was. And so um, what I was trying to solve originally, I just found luggage straps on the internet. And I was like, why don't we just use luggage straps and stop using tape? And so my brain had only fixed the, the, the adhere, adhesion issue, but not the full issue. And so what Joey had done is he, got, he just goes like, well, luggage straps is a half step. How about we just look for a pad that is compact? And so the part of that was, was using what we have in our, what is available to us, the internet, to search for other products. What is, maybe it's our hospital. Maybe both of our hospitals, the hospitals that we've worked at don't have the pads. Maybe somebody else does. We could not find a solution. So we kept Googling, Googling, and then we came up with what would be, a, for lack of better terms, I'm trying not to get too technical, but what would be a build spec for what exactly would be the perfect pad for a nurse? It needs to be compact, it needs to be self-inflating, it needs to be this and this and that. And so once we made that list, we found things on that were existing or somebody could make something similar to it to manufacture. So that was kind of the process that is going through the pain points. When you're creating a new product, I think a lot of nurses get excited about new fancy tech and then we try to shoehorn it into uh, a problem. But if you really dig in on the problems that are going on with whatever you're um, trying to solve, what are the pain points from A to Z? And then trying to find something that fits that is a much better workflow for building a product. So that's kind of how we did it is we, we know that the big pads are hard to find. They're hard to store. They're not compact. They um, get lost easily. They don't follow the patient throughout their care. So we wanted to find something that could do all of those things. And that, that was kind of our design phase. 
And, and then, you know, and then from there is, is finding a manufacturer and there's wonderful resources out there that can help you find a manufacturer here in the U S or um, outside of that. The funny story is that in, and I know this is kind of long, but the funny part I want to end on is that Joey and I, because our product, if any of these go onto our website, safeseizure.com, you can, you'll see that it's, if, if you've been camping in, in the camping world, you're like, oh yeah, this is similar to my uh, Thermarest pad. It's a similar technology um, that we got patented and it's it's a different use case in the design patent, utility patent for it, but I'd say it's a different use case. So we were able to get the patent, but it's something that existed out there and we were able to modify it for healthcare use. And so we called similar manufacturers in the US. We called them, we sent them emails, not one person replied to any of our calls, none of our emails. We said, we're two nurses with this idea. We need somebody to help us manufacture it. Um, and so the thing I want to, the, the moral here is that don't get dejected when people don't reply to your emails or reply to your calls. Just keep pushing forward because that's what we did. We kept reaching out to different people and we eventually found somebody overseas that replied in an hour and was able to send us a prototype from their manufacturing within uh, maybe three to four weeks or so. And that was way faster return than waiting from somebody here in the U.S. to reply to us because they didn't think we were important or big enough. Yeah, it's a really good point because I hear this a lot. It is always going to take longer and be harder than you think it is going to be Mm -hmm. to start any sort of new project, product, or company. And so being persistent, and I say it all the time, it's shots on goal. Just keep emailing and, uh, and reaching out and eventually someone will hopefully respond. And that seems like that's what happened in your case. And that's great. Yeah. yeah. Can I ask, how did you know that you needed a patent? How did you know who to reach out to for manufacturing? Was there anybody sort of mentoring you or guiding you along this path around innovation and entrepreneurship? No, no. Like I said, I kind of fell into it because I'm a problem solver. And then I happened to meet somebody who was also a problem solver. And luckily, Joey is in the in the real estate. He's an entrepreneur through and through. He's been been trying to start businesses. He was like five years old. And so he'd gone through the patent process for something else outside of healthcare. And so he knew he's like, oh, yeah, let me link you up with this lawyer that helped me with another patent. And I'd never met somebody who filed for one. Just happened to be working on the same unit as somebody who'd, who'd done that. So, um, and so that was kind of that for the patent process is that he was like, oh yeah, we should probably see if we can patent this. And I was like, oh, I didn't think about that. Good point. And so that's kind of how that went. We did our research on what a provisional patent is a non-provisional patent. And he kind of helped with that because of his prior experience. And then with manufacturing, we researched and we, we, this is the time that I would say it was a couple of years after Alibaba had launched. And so again, it's all about timing and, and readiness. That's, that's, you know, those are the keys to success, right? And so we, we were ready and Alibaba had launched and we were ready to find manufacturers anywhere in the world that made a similar product and reach out to them. And so knowing that those resources were available kind of decreased the barrier to, because if we tried to do this venture, you know, 2002, let's say, uh, or, you know, 97, let's say, we'd have to find the trade show that has a list of manufacturers and then email and fax them the images. But we, you know, YouTube a couple of videos, read a couple of articles, and we're able to find reputable um, resources on Alibaba that were actually, you know, people that were, who've been in business for 20 to 30 years and had a profile on there. And so we went from there. What's Alibaba? Oh, thank you. Alibaba is a wonderful website created by a billionaire named Jack Ma in China. It is a website that just links you to uh, manufacturers from around the world. Mainly though, in the, on that website are, are manufacturers in um, Asia. 
And so what it does is for anything, um, and this is one of the this is one of the things I found out when I started this company is a lot of the things that we buy on Amazon are, are called something called private labeling. Um, I don't want to go off too long on a tangent, but give me a second here. It's a manufacturer's ready to, lots of manufacturers make many things, water bottles, cups, staplers, um, and they're waiting for companies to put their names on it. They have the tooling, they have everything ready to go. And so Alibaba for most people, for most businesses is private labeling. So again, if you look up Bluetooth headphones on Amazon and then hop onto alibaba.com and search Bluetooth headphones, you'll find almost a one-to-one pair on what you're seeing there. So what people are buying, what we think is a specialized company is actually coming from one manufacturer who makes for six or seven different people. But in our case, since we were creating something that didn't exist, we were looking for a manufacturer that was making something similar, that probably had similar tooling. So maybe they've been making camping products for 20 to 30 years. And so when we sent them an email and said, hey, I know this is what you're, you have the tooling, we need you to make something different. So that's the wonderful beauty of Alibaba for anybody who, even if you don't want to make nursing products and you want to make your own um, hydro flasks because, you know, nurses are addicted to our, our large bottles of water, you can find a manufacturer that will make you one and put your name on it and your logo on it probably in less than a week and ship it out to you. That's the thing I didn't know about the internet is that people are private labeling stuff and I haven't done it myself, but Alibaba is a great place to find manufacturers for new ideas or existing ideas. See, this, your story is so inspiring because you've figured all of this out on your own, but it's also, to me, very frustrating because there are so many nurses out there who I don't think have the time, resources, or knowledge to be able to find these things out on their own, so their ideas then sort of just fizzle away. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I love what you're doing. You definitely are a huge resource to other nurses out there who are trying to create new solutions to things. What would you say to nurses who are in your position like five years ago? I would say, I would say, do your homework, do your research, be comfortable searching for things and be comfortable asking questions and be comfortable sharing your ideas. And there's a, there's a pivotal moment that I would say is life-altering moment, um, and it kind of gets me a little, a little emotional, is that when I first met Joey and I pulled him, apart, pulled him aside in the parking lot, I kind of had, and I told him my idea in the coffee shop. And he said, your idea is great, but it could improve itself this way, that way. That's like a, for an adult to hear that something I've been working on for six months. I, I don't think I shared that earlier. I'd already been working on my luggage strap idea for six months. I had a label, I had everything printed, <laughs> packaging ready to go. And then to meet somebody within 12 hours, then tell me something I've been working on was okay, but could be better. There's, there's a, you can listen to your ego and say like, I don't, you don't know what you're talking about. I, I'm the one who found out this issue. I'm the one, I understand you relate to the issue, but you don't know what you're talking about. Or you can take their advice and see where it goes. And so my, that would be my advice is it's hard to tell because there's no time that you should always listen to somebody. There's sometimes you need to listen to somebody. It's hard to tell the difference and you just have to go with your gut. And I'm glad that my gut went with, Hey, this guy might know what he's talking about. Cause it, it, it's what led to the product that we have today. And, and what led to the success of our businesses is that little inflection point in my life of like, I can listen to my ego and say, he doesn't know what he's talking about, or I can invite him in and, and solve the problem. And so that, that would be the advice I go with people is share your idea, do your research, be willing to learn because it's a learning experience. You can pay somebody to be a consultant, but when you're starting out 
and you're working 312s and you're exhausted. And, you know, throughout this journey, I went back to school to get my master's and my business partner went back to school. So, and we both, and he had some kids and I had a kid. <laughs> and so it's been a very long journey, but you have to like be willing to, to dig deep and learn on your own until you get to a place where you can hire consultants. Cause for a while it's just, you know, it's, you're just busy and you're using your nursing money to grow this thing. Yeah, those are all really great points. And I guess the one thing I want to ask is, you know, funding is really important for patents, for prototyping, for all of these things. How did you have the funds to be able to move this forward? You know, I saw that you guys won the ANA Innovation Award one year. They, what other resources were you able to obtain to help you move this forward? Um, we used our nursing money, like I alluded to it, this was, this was us going to our, our significant others or his wife, my wife and saying, Hey, me and this random guy I met, you know, months ago, we want to start this business. I, we want to pull out XYZ dollars from the savings account and, and help file for a patent and help get a mold from a manufacturer done. Cause all those things have costs associated with them. And so we used, um, and I, I don't mind sharing it. It took us $15,000 to start the business. And we haven't had to put a dollar in. And luckily, just as you mentioned, we applied for the ANA Innovation Award that, that gave us $50,000. And so that our 15 plus that 50 has gotten us very far, very, very far. So we haven't had to go to investors and, and we haven't had to go take a loan at the bank or something like that. That ANA Innovation Award uh, that we won back in 2020 allowed us to move out of my garage with, for our inventory <laughs> and moved to an official warehouse in the Oakland area. And so that's kind of what allowed us to do a big order and be comfortable having a place to put it. And so our initial 15,000 helped us get the business started, file for a patent, get some prototypes, get us a, a small order, small quantity order that fit in my whole garage. And then when we won that um, award, we were able to buy more um, inventory from, from our manufacturer and have a place to put it comfortably. And so that's those are the two main big cash investments that we've made in the business and it's been running on its own ever since. The other part I want to add is that it's very easy to get excited about new and fancy technology, but Joey and I like to say that our product is not is not low tech, it's no tech. There's a lot of stuff that happens at the bedside that does not require sensors, does not require any type of fancy servos and circuits and this and that. It's just nurse to nurse, patient to patient interactions that need to still be fixed. It doesn't require you to get a huge investment and have a server somewhere. Um, there's a lot of products that we still use that are just materials. And so when you're thinking about ideas to improve nursing, there's a lot of those areas to improve on that I think people should dig deep in. And that decreases your startup cost. When you're just talking about cloth and, and plastics and straps, it doesn't really cost a lot of money. If you want to revamp the EHR system, yes, you're going to need 10 investors and need to sell XYZ percentage of your company. But if it's just materials cost and a manufacturing cost, luckily, you know, we live in the Bay Area and work as nurses and we, we have pretty decent pay and um, we use that money to, to fund the company. Um, and we didn't require, you know, all the other costs that come with starting a technology idea. It's just materials. Yeah, those are all really good points too. And I think often people don't realize that Unfortunately, upfront, you may have to invest in your own company, not just with your time and intellectual property, but with your finances as well. And sometimes that can be hard for nurses to sort of wrap their heads around, maybe. So it's interesting to hear how you know you have gone about 
that because I've heard other stories from other nurses who have started similar like successful companies and you know they have to go to their families and say look we need to invest in our company to get it started to get a patent to do x y or z and it's a big ask for a lot of people and sometimes it works out and sometimes it doesn't but I'm really happy to hear that it worked out for you we, we have very supportive uh, wives um and and you know we, we joke that we wake them up in the middle of the night with crazy ideas and they just nod their heads and they go, yes, that sounds great. Or no, that doesn't sound great. Or I don't have time for that right now. Go bother your business partner. <laughs> um, and so it's, it's really helpful to have somebody in your corner. Um, and, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. I love that. Well, anything else you'd like to share with us before we end? Yeah. I think what I want to end on is that I think there's, my story is not unique. The timing of my story is unique, but I think that this is something that is replicable by other people. Um, you just need to do your research and find what works for you and what you're willing to go to bat for and, and fix. And so, and nurses, you know, we have a great schedule, work three days a week. The other four days you can work on your dream and make it happen. If folks want to learn more about Frontier Innovations and, and Safe Seizures, where can they find you? Um, just go to safeseizure.com. Um, if you are just interested in, in, in getting it for your hospital, there's a red button that says request the sample. We'll get one out to you immediately. If you have questions for us as innovators, you can always email us through there, or you can find us on you know, LinkedIn, search my name or search Joey's name, Joey Ferry or Tofiki, um, and you'll see us. So yeah, we're we're in the community, supporting the community, doing our best to get other nurses to, to see that this is something that they can do also. Well, Tofiki, thank you so much for all the work you're doing, both at the bedside and innovating and inspiring other nurses to innovate. And I can't wait to meet you in person soon. I'm looking forward to it. Philly is going to be a great time. It's going to be a busy time. We're going to be working the booth, but Magnet's going to be great. <laughs> all right. I'll see you then. Hello, Angela. Hello, Marion. How you doing? I'm amazing. Yeah, I was just listening to your interview with Tafiki. Is he not incredible? I am a huge fan. I actually got to meet him in person for the first time a few weeks ago, and him and his partner, Joey, and they're just really dynamic nurses who really want to move the profession forward and innovate. Yeah, it's really cool. I I really loved hearing about his story and how he he took these really practical approaches to trying to fix a problem at the bedside. Yeah, and was able to figure out how to do that, like all the different components. I get asked all the time by nurses, I have an idea, now what? And I try and guide them through it, but there are so many different components to not only creating an innovation, but then creating a company to scale up that innovation. And he was really able to scrappily figure out how to do that and put it together, him and Joey. Yeah. And it's, I think it's really inspiring for people who have ideas about things that, you know, the way he talked about it too, like, yes, they did have to invest some of their own money, but it was a small investment considering what they ended up doing. You don't need investors. You don't need to make it more complicated than it has to be. You can simply start small and start emailing people and asking them, do you have the equipment that can manufacture this thing? 
So I thought that was really, I thought that was a really cool story. Yeah. And it's good for nurses to hear that, right? Like, yes, you might have to put in some of your own financial capital, but you also can keep it simple. And there are resources out there to help you manufacture and find the things that you need. And so having him as a mentor and role model for other nurses who have ideas and want to move it forward, I think will be really important. Amplify Nursing is hosted by Dr. Angela Rosa Donato and Marion Leary and produced by the University of Pennsylvania School of Nursing. With special thanks to Jonathan Zhu for his assistance. Music for the podcast was created by Harper Leary. The podcast is made possible by the Krista and Rich Panola Fund for Innovation in Nursing. Follow us on Twitter at Penn Nursing. Until next time, keep pushing over, under, around, and through. We want to thank you for listening to the Amplify Nursing podcast and remind you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you enjoy your podcast listening. And if you can do us a solid, please rate and review us as well. It will go a long way in amplifying our episodes.